Howdy folks, this is Nobody coming to you before the show with a quick heads up. I do not know what happened in this episode, but for some reason my audio is just full of clicks and banging noises. I tried to get rid of them, but apparently they are tied into my audio track. If those sounds go, so does my voice. So while I apologize for that audio quality, there's not a whole lot I can do. Uh, if that's going to bother you, this might be one of the episodes you want to skip. Uh, many apologies, and I hope you enjoy the show. <laughs> My name is Patch. I can't tell you my last name. I can't tell you where I live. But I can tell you that this is The Axe Files, a show where a handful of weirdos rereads every Animorphs book in order. And joining me this week, I've got the most wanted criminal on this side of the Andalite homeworld. It's Vivian. One, one day I'll get used to you saying every Animorphs book in order. Because it still sounds <laughs> like so much. Uh, joining us for this wild ride is the most elegant estrian on Earth. It's Kate. Hi! I'm already used to it. You're used to it because you've already read these books before, Kate. <laughs> Multiple times. I have not. <laughs> I've read I've read most of them. Not all of them. There will be some <laughs> of these that are new to me, and I'm very excited to get to those. We won't get to those for a while, though. Fair. I yeah, assume, I assume like, stuff like Megan Morris and stuff like that. Like the side books. Uh, it's it's actually some of the like the weird in like in the middle ones. Like from <laughs> like 20 <laughs> to 40. Those. Hmm. They're like, yeah. Yeah, I skipped around a lot when I was a kid, which is maybe not the best way to read these, to be quite honest. But they're also written so that you can, so... Mostly. Mostly. It's you just wanting to play just the main three Kingdom Hearts games, because it's like, well, clearly, uh, this one's Kingdom Hearts 2, so why would I have to play anything else? And this one's 3, and then it's like, who the fuck is Ventus? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I read read the alien like 50 times. Well, Uh, yeah. But, that's that's completely um, understandable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So when we get to that one, it's like I will basically already have it memorized. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, when I saw the titles, I was like, "Oh, the one titled the Alien is probably the Axe book, right?" And I'm pretty sure this is the Axe books actually. <laughs> I mean, there's so many. There's so many books. There are, but I also when I just saw that title, it's like book eight. I was like, "Oh, maybe that's when they introduced Axe." <laughs> We've okay, already is, had is the, the invasion and yeah. the visitor. Like those True. are aliens. Yeah, but 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 book eight is the first one narrated by Axe. Oh, that yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Which is interesting that they actually skip Axe in the first rotation. Then. <laughs> well, he wasn't here yet. Um, yeah, but presumably he's the one that they're indicating towards in this book early on, right? So I would, I would. Expect, I don't fucking know. Uh, yes, if, yeah, I don't if, know. If I'm, I don't if know. I'm, if I'm accurate with that, I would expect that X would have been book uh, six as a result, but I guess not. <laughs> Listen, yeah. there's a very specific order that the books go in. They're always going to repeat the same narrator order. And Axe wasn't here for his turn, so he has to wait for the next go-around. Yes. He missed his initiative. <laughs> but but he, if he's introduced in this one, he is here for the first go-around. <laughs> he nope. just, he just has an initiative of one, so he goes last in the sixth turn but of he order. Already, <laughs> he already missed his spot. Mm-hmm. He has to go after I forget who. He always goes after Rachel. That's the way it works. Yeah. Oh, that's weird, huh? He goes... He's always... <laughs> always... Huh. 
Jake, Rachel, oh, he's, Axe, he's a melee Tobias, Well, he's a Cassie, melee He's a melee Marco. character, and he decided to hold his action to attack the first person that came near him, and then nobody did, so that's why. Or he was... He just wasn't here. <laughs> or he was... Yeah, he was just not here, because he's indisposed. And we'll learn about <laughs> why and how. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we are starting a new book today, if y'all couldn't have guessed from our uh, conversation here, but uh, this is Animorphs Book 4, The Message, by K.A. Applegate and Michael Grant. He's helping out a lot in these early books. I don't think that continues through the series, but for the moment, it's the two of them writing together. Uh, released October 1996. <laughs> God, this, yeah. this book released like around the same time as Ocarina of Time? <laughs> Wait. Uh, I guess so. Uh, maybe, uh, oh wait, was Ocarina, I think I think Ocarina of Time was like the summer, because I feel like I had more time to play it when we it, went to different It was definitely a summer game, yeah. I'm curious. Uh, yeah. There's something uh, in, there's something in my chapters that happens, it's extremely 1996. <laughs> <laughs> We're oh, gonna no, get no, a few I, of I, those, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm two years off, right? 96 was the year that the, that the N64 released. Mm-hmm. That makes um, sense. Right. So, yeah. Patch, would you like to start it up, start us off with our obligatory recap of everything? <laughs> I will, that yeah. That happens at the beginning of every book. And I, I just want to put this in here. I'll be doing this in the future, but I've forgotten to for the first three books. Our cover tag this time is, Sometimes you have to change a little more than your mind. As if this isn't the fourth book in the series. <laughs> uh-huh. I the taglines on the I covers get, are so fun at times. <laughs> I get annoyed by them because they're sometimes sometimes they're relevant. Sometimes <laughs> sometimes they are. Sometimes, sometimes they're, they're vague platitudes like, about needing to change. Which <laughs> is like vague bullshit like this, yeah. <laughs> um but yes. So uh jumping into chapter one, which I have titled The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. Uh, they get Cassie's obligatory uh, recap about who she is and the Yerks and stuff, but that lasts, that goes very quickly. She's done with it in four paragraphs, because she instead wants to tell us a story about the other night. Um, this is like a flashback inside the main narrative, which is not a thing that happens a lot, but Cassie's a different narrator, so we're gonna do it today. Um, <laughs> she tells us a little about the barn, where the wildlife, re- wildlife rehabilitation... Wildlife Rehabilitation Clinic her dad runs is. And it's okay, it's, take your time. Yeah, yeah. This place has to be just truly enormous, because it's... Like, when you say a barn, I have a very specific image in my head, but they talk. she talks about how they have all these... This area where they keep the injured birds, and then another place where there's bigger cages for, like, badgers and skunk-sized animals, and then... There's, they've got wolves there, and then horses, and also an operating room, and private recovery rooms for some animals. And yeah, th- like... this is a fucking yeah, hospital barn. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know much about what is literally a hospital barn. It is a yeah, barn no, that also that's... functions as an animal hospital. But I I don't know a whole lot about barns. I don't think they usually have multiple rooms. No, they don't. That's, that's very n- uh, not normal for a barn. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know they live way out on the edge of the city, so it makes sense that they've got enough room for this, but this is just truly enormous. This this isn't a barn, this is like a small grocery store sized. <laughs> I mean, it could be like that these are like a small recovery room, um, that kind of thing. I don't think they might need much room, and they could have put like 
extra walls in, prefab walls, put those in. I guess. Converted the barn into a hospital. Um, but again, I don't know much about barns. I don't know how big they are. I don't know <laughs> uh, how big they can be. Barns so. also probably not a really good place where you want to have an injured animal recovering after surgery. <laughs> I am not a country girl. I am a child of the suburbs <laughs> and of the city. So, well... I'll admit that I am also from the city for the most part, but in the summer that I spent working at a scout camp, the barn that we had absolutely would not be big enough for this. But <laughs> <laughs> right, as a sample size of one patch, do you have uh, 29 more so that we can have a uh, good p-value? Uh, well, let me call up my sister. She's worked at several barns. <laughs> okay. Uh um, but yes, so Cassie is, because they've been losing animals, something has been sneaking into the barn and killing their patients, which means it's also getting into the cages, which is kind of wild. But, hey, we uh, just saw Tobias open one as a bird uh, last book. <laughs> <laughs> All these animals in this world know a lot of stuff that they probably shouldn't be able to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Tobias is a person who is a bird. It's different. <laughs> um, either way, Cassie's plan to find out what's going on is to turn into a squirrel and just hang out here and hope that something shows up while she's there. Uh, she's not super concerned about the two-hour limit, I guess, so she's planning on like being a human every once in a while and then back to squirrel, I guess. So... They have named this squirrel Magilla for some reason. I don't know what that's about because Magilla is a gorilla. Everyone knows that, but yeah, I, I didn't. I was trying to figure Magilla out Magilla gorilla. This. Okay, I never heard this. Gorilla for sale. <laughs> I don't know the rest of the song. <laughs> uh, neither do I. That's it's a Hanna Barbera cartoon. Yep. Oh. That somehow, yeah. I guess I just never would. Like, I, I definitely have watched like some Hanna Barbera cartoons when I was a kid. I don't think I ever heard of Magilla Gorilla. <laughs> to be fair, Magilla Gorilla is possibly one of the least popular Hanna Barbera cartoons. Yeah, this is true. He has its own Wikipedia article, so I can't say how uh, unpopular well, so does he every, is. So does every Hanna Barbera cartoon. It's yeah. just that Magilla Gorilla like, was kind of like, oh, I forgot that existed. It's on TV now. Yeah, Magilla Gorilla is kind of on the same level as Speed Buggy. <laughs> yeah. It's it was it was very sanitized, I guess. I don't remember it very well because again, it's it's just it, there's not a lot to it. It's a gorilla it's for sale at a pet store. Now I am bummed out that Magilla Gorilla got more episodes than the Owl House <laughs> because I'm looking at the Wikipedia <laughs> article. Magilla Gorilla got a total of forty six episodes. Owl House got forty three. You know, you know, like they're really weird. They're really weird episode of, M of Magilla Gorilla where he uh, uh, smashes a guy's skull in for looking him in the eyes. Yeah, that <laughs> one was strange. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, so Cassie's objective here is to acquire Magilla the squirrel, and then she just starts morphing right away. She does not put Magilla back in his cage, so her parents will presumably be pretty upset when <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, she says that Magilla puts himself back in his cage yeah, and locks yeah. the doors. Yeah. <laughs> Once she is mostly through the morph, Magilla will put himself back in the cage. But, like, she couldn't I have bet choose... on that. She couldn't have known he was going to do that. Doesn't she I also choose say to believe... he closes the cage door and locks it or something? 
It just says I closes just... it behind him, not... But yeah. <laughs> Maybe I interpret that as the scroll these... also locks it. <laughs> I choose to believe these kids are also like, possibly unreliable narrators. Uh, that's, that's dumb. That's, well, yeah, that's this dumb is them, what just what? happened. I mean, yeah. they are teenagers. They would absolutely exaggerate yeah. things. <laughs> yeah, but it's also them like writing down their stories of the adventures, so it's very possible that that's what she perceived and not what really happened. Well, look, at, when, right. when these kids were like deciding to write down this stuff, they were like, look, we realize that we look real fucking dumb at times, guys. We need to exaggerate a lot of stuff to make ourselves look cool as fuck, right? <laughs> right, but from a, from a meta sense... Like, the only reason she didn't put the squirrel back in the cage was so that they could have that gag there, where the squirrel goes back in the cage exactly. and closes yeah. it. There's no other reason for that. And honestly, not putting the squirrel back in the cage is almost as far-fetched as the squirrel closing the cage. Huh. Yeah, like, you would think that Kathy of all people being the animal person would be like, okay, go back in your cage now while I do this. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a lie. She's lying to us. <laughs> I don't know. Just, just also tangentially speaking, of these first nine chapters, I feel like Cassie's probably not as interesting as a narrator compared to even Rachel and Tobias. That's that's what I... Honestly, that's the impression I got a lot when yeah, I was like, a kid. Yeah, it's, 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 it's very much reads a lot like, oh, this is kind of like the Jake book of like, eh, it's just the most safe kind of option well, again. Well, rereading the whole thing. And and I, I did do that, um, because you know I, I I had a little bit of time and to take some uh, take take some stress off myself. Um, <laughs> rereading the whole thing, I have to say I disagree with younger me. I think that during these first few chapters that holds through, but as we keep going, uh, Cassie is really the most philosophical, the most yeah. pensive. Uh, narrator so we get a whole lot more of the um like we get a whole lot more talking about like the moral implications of what the kids are doing when cassie is narrating and i really like that about cassie's books Mm -hmm. extremely so yeah tobias is like the the introspective one but cassie is very much the implications one (laughs) Yeah, she's the uh, the the ethical and moral philosopher. She's the uh, the high wisdom score, and she uh, she, to... she she questions a lot of stuff that it's like what uh, just being like, oh, is it okay to take the DNA of an animal that is smart and right? But right, right, but nobody not, else not... in the group is like it's it's not a problem. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, and even the... not not just that, but like when we get later on in this book, I gotta say I love this book. I, I understand yeah. why. Uh, why Kay Applegate said this was one of her favorite ones <laughs> because this this book is, and we'll get into this more. Um, in some respects, deeply beautiful. Uh, like as we go on later, we haven't gotten there yet, but just keep yeah. keep that in mind. And I I, I don't think it would okay. work yeah, if I, anyone I guess... but Cassie was narrating it. Okay, I guess it's just like the first like handful of chapters are just like oh, this isn't like yeah. the strongest start. Yeah, compared. Yeah. yeah, no, and. That's why I didn't really appreciate it when I was a kid, and I appreciate it more now. Um, <laughs> is because I don't think I was able to pick up on the subtleties of what makes Cassie a good narrator when I was younger. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's also just unfair because it's like, well, I can't help but compare it to the previous book, which was like all about introspection and like sense of identity. <laughs> because Tobias is yeah, a Cassie doesn't. 
Cassie knows exactly who the fuck she is. She doesn't have any (laughs) problems with that. The the, the thing that Cassie has problems with is the fact that they are forced to uh, do some pretty shitty things. Uh, And she's a very uh, ethically minded person, so... Well, we'll see if that breaks over the next five years. I'd have to assume so. <laughs> yeah. We do get, in this sequence, just a little bit of a mention. Because everyone's always talking about how Cassie is the best at morphing, and she's the only one that makes it look vaguely non-palatable. But it, she says here that her thing is that she always tries to get into the feeling of what it might be like to be the animal before morphing. So... That is the only indication we have from her perspective that she does anything differently of morphing than anyone else, and apparently that's enough to make it not terrible. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so she becomes this squirrel. Um, not going to go into the details of the transformation because it's mostly fine, although yeah, there we, is one we, moment we where co- she's a human with a squirrel tail. <laughs> we've covered that like so many times. It's just like the entire paragraphs of the kids just describing the morphing process and it's just at a time it's like it's not really worth it to even just keep covering because it's yeah. just that's how they fill out like half a, uh, a whole chapter at times <laughs> and uh yeah immediately she freaks out because there are predators just everywhere and though intellectually cassie knows that these are in cages and safe the squirrel part of her doesn't and so she just has an immediate panic attack because there's birds of prey and wolves everywhere um <laughs> Yeah, she just uh, runs right up the wall without even thinking about it, and then Tobias shows up, which will take us into Chapter 2, which I have called Call Your Squirrel Friend. Uh, Yes, I am just sealing the titles of the unbeatable Squirrel Girl volumes. Sue me. Um, (laughs) So Tobias flies in. I guess they have uh, an opening in the hayloft, and Cassie as a squirrel does not realize that it's Tobias. Well, she does, but the squirrel doesn't, so she's panicking even more now. And just running up the wall and tobias has like perched in the in the farm uh, the barn but he's watching her and like because you know being a hawk now he's immediately keyed into oh there is a rodent moving over there and (laughs) she just cannot stand still so she's zooming all over the place and uh, mentions that she threw herself like 10 feet between the beams which is a lot for a squirrel and then, uh, because Tobias saw her do that, his instincts are activated, and he swoops forward to try and devour Cassie alive. Uh, except then, <laughs> um, uh, uh, something pokes in. Uh, turns out that a fox has found a loose board in the barn and has been coming in and, uh, killing the, the birds. And finding this fox was the reason that Cassie was morphing squirrel in the first place, which is, uh, real dumb. Because yeah. now... What do you think was gonna? What do you think was gonna fucking happen? You morphed a prey animal in order to find a predator that you know yeah, is a predator because like, it's been getting in there and killing things. Like they they have a variety of birds. You could just be a bird and be perched up on a beam, and they'd be like, "Oh, okay, it's a fox. I'm gonna swoop at it to try to scare it off, and then I'm gonna fix that board." But no, she picks the squirrel. It explicitly <laughs> says that one of the things that got killed was a goose, Cassie. If you're going to fight something that can kill a goose, don't be a squirrel. Yeah. Also, yeah, why I'm... is it that of all the places Tobias could go to hunt, he chooses the animal rehabilitation center that one of his friend's families run? Now, I don't think he's here to hunt. I think he's just here because he needs a break. He says that he was thinking of eating Cassie. Yeah, because well, he got you're... there and yeah. there was a loose squirrel that wasn't in a cage or anything. Yeah, but maybe that 
like, he, he could still make the assumption that it's probably an animal from there that got out. <laughs> I don't think he can. As we've seen, There's this barn hardly everywhere. has security. I don't also, know. I guess the, I the just interpreted it as like, why got... did you immediately go after something that was in the barn itself? The squirrel wouldn't have gotten out if Cassie had, like, the only way to have that, for that to happen would be, like, one of the, one of the animals to be let out. I mean, I... If I saw a squirrel outside this clinic, I would probably think it's a squirrel. Also, I mean, outside, yeah, but it's also, inside the barn, so I, would, I don't know. I guess my train of thought is that Tobias would think about that more. <laughs> also, Tobias is a fucking hawk, and if Tobias wants to eat a squirrel, he can. Okay, like, <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's it doesn't matter if it's from the clinic. It's a wild squirrel. Hawks eat wild squirrels. It's it's fair game. Now, if it's Cassie, probably not a bit, not not great. Yeah. Um, but yes, regardless of the various bad plans in effect here. <laughs> oh, they're going to get worse. <laughs> this plan is better than a later on one. <laughs> she is now falling from the rafters because uh, Tobias swooped at her and she had to jump. So <laughs> she lands basically directly in front of the fox. Uh, good plan all around everyone. And at this point, she finally calls to Tobias for help because she's finally, finally got control of the squirrel. And uh, he is not surprised by this exactly, but he's very annoyed because she didn't tell him while he was trying to eat her, and now he doesn't get to. Um, And then, yeah, he, he dive bombs this fox for her, which is very, like... A couple books ago, he was nervous about coming anywhere near a cat. Foxes are a lot bigger than cats are. I'm just Maybe saying. he's gotten more confident. That's fair. Also, it's a matter of saving his friend's life, so... <laughs> and, yeah. Cassie explains what she was doing after the fox ran off because, you know, it's freaked out by the hawk swooping down inside a building. And, um, yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty chill. She... Morphs back human, asking what he was doing here, and he actually does make a joke about eating rodents, which she seems okay with. She seems to have come to a much better place than she was last book, because if you'll remember, everyone was kind of freaked out when he started making jokes about <laughs> eating uh, rodents, and she's doing better, I guess. But... If anyone's, if anyone is gonna become like okay with that real quickly, it's Cassie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you imagine it wouldn't be Marco. Probably he'd probably still be like, "Oh, you're in, you're in a rat today, bud." Well, I don't know because remember, Marco's the only one who laughed at his jokes. So true. Ca- Cassie's Cassie's got that green mana. She understands the natural <laughs> cycle of things. Marco is clearly blue black, so like, he doesn't really. Yeah. Um. Cassie gives a brief description of herself and mentions that she mostly wears overalls and work gloves while and also discusses a picture of her that Jake has in this outfit while she is trying to force a pill down a badger's throat. Uh, I don't... Don't do that. It's badger. No. Uh-uh. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, apparently she offered to give him a picture of her in a dress, but he likes the one he has of her wrestling with a badger, so... <laughs> uh, I don't know. This feels a little odd to me, but I guess teen affection there you go um i gotta then, say uh, it's just there's really been like no real build-up to the two clear ships they're doing in this group of kids 
Because <laughs> it's yeah, just, just like, kinda I mean, is just there. like, yeah, just like arbitrarily last book, it's like, oh, apparently Rachel and Tobias are into each other, and like, I, I feel like we at least had like a few other instances in previous we'll books see. of like Jake liking Cassie, but like, when... Cassie just really says like like in italics of like the whole like like thing. <laughs> yeah, because they're fucking middle schoolers, and that's how middle schoolers do. I guess they don't have any build up. Just kind of, <laughs> they just kind of glomp together. <laughs> Uh, my uh, my high school experience is way different, I guess. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I kind of get it. Like, without the throw, I'm not gonna say her name because, of course, this was years ago, and I'm not gonna name and shame. But I did quote unquote get married to a girl in the sixth grade because she said she liked me, and I thought, like, okay, this is my friend. I must like this person also. That's how that works, right? Yeah. Actually, I so, guess uh, I guess to be fair, thinking back when I was in first grade, I definitely kissed a girl's hand, but also it was because she was laughing at it. <laughs> it the, see the the fact that your that your high school experience is different, Vivian, is is not um is not surprising because high school is very different from middle school. Yeah, and, ter- <laughs> uh, and yeah, and and also way different than elementary school. <laughs> But yes, I guess on the off chance you're listening, my uh, long-lost wife, uh, I'll never forget <laughs> Under the Playgrounds that one time. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, so Cassie's dad shows up, and uh, he's sleepy as heck, but, you know, it's midnight and something is moving around in the barn, so he has to go check it out. And for just the briefest of moments, he spots that she has a squirrel tail as she's finishing demorphing, but it's gone by the time he looks again so he thinks he imagined it and that's it uh surely this will not cause problems later um kids are so bad at keeping this a secret (laughs) (laughs) cassie mentions at this point that she just should have stayed in bed because this was just a disaster all around but she had weird dreams and couldn't sleep and but you know they're they're like weird dreams about the sea and tobias instantly knows what she's talking about a a voice calling out to her from beneath the waves and uh then suddenly cassie is scared again uh and we'll move into chapter three which i'll call shut up marco in which marco starts by admitting uh his weird dreams about pamela anderson (laughs) because he hasn't said about about the ocean yeah yeah it's like of all the things that are like so 90s about this series the fact that marco is admitting to horny dreams about pamela anderson is definitely i think up there in terms of like this is like the most strange yeah Yeah. i'm i'm gonna start taking a running tally of the most 90s references made in animorphs and that's definitely going on there uh i mean he also talks a lot about mr rogers neighborhood here does that count yeah i think it does i mean it's not like the thing is that Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood has had a long legacy, yeah. um, so I don't know if it's necessarily yeah. as 90s. Baywatch existed, like, Baywatch is... Like, a just... t- like a 12-year-old watching Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood is, like, I guess normal. I I, I honestly, I don't remember that. No, it's like... not. It, it's I, I, it's I can... not. They, Mr. Rogers, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood was like aimed at very young kids. Okay. Um, I, I guess I'm no. just I guess I'm just thinking like in my case if I would be like would I more admit to watching Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood or having uh, sex dreams about Pamela Anderson? That's <laughs> the thing <laughs> is so that Marco Marco just likes likes confusing people. So <laughs> people know he doesn't actually like like I don't know. People probably know he's lying ninety percent of the time. He's just. 
<laughs> oh, I think him talking about his horny dreams about Pamela Anderson is 100% him being honest. <laughs> uh, um, I don't know. I, I feel like that is just as likely to be fake because he's trying to make people uncomfortable. Yeah. He later on talks it about could, how he wants his driver's go. license despite being able to be a bird just so he can pick up chicks in a car. <laughs> yeah, but yes, like, the reason he brings up the Baywatch dream is specifically so he can make the connection to, oh yeah, that is like the ocean. <laughs> Marco, what Marco right now is trying to do is establish and maintain an image, and <laughs> he's very good at it, <laughs> because apparently you think it's real. If he can convince people to be uncomfortable enough around him, then they won't want him to go on these crazy missions anymore, that's all it is. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's given up trying to convince them to just not go and do the dangerous things, and now he's just like, if I just make them totally uncomfortable around me, they won't keep dragging yeah. me along. <laughs> and, and, bonus, bonus, he won't have to get close to anyone emotionally. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, it's important. I mean, what if they you know, drown or something. That would be terrible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, I didn't even consider that, like, there's probably going to be something about his mom drowning in this book because they're dealing with water stuff, huh? <laughs> uh, mm. No idea. It'd, it would but... be weird for it to be omitted, but then again, last book, we also didn't have Rachel. I don't remember her friend. <laughs> You'll just, Although just, we at least got a reference just... to her with the bias remembering. <laughs> just wait. Just wait. Just be patient. But yeah, so this is the next day after the squirrel thing, which I don't really know where it puts us chronologically because the squirrel thing was a flashback to a couple days ago, so I guess we're still not caught up to the present. But Rachel's room is, like, weirdly neat, and Cassie specifically mentions the bulletin board where she pins up her inspirational quotes, you know, very, uh... Very teen girl in the 90s, but the thing is, is that in the past few weeks, she's replaced all her quotes with, like, the art of war and proverbs about fighting, and it, it's still very much that, that girly sort of pin-up uh -huh. board, but it's a murder board now. But, but now, now it has Sun Tzu references, so, like, Rachel, warrior poet. Yes. You know, I... I honestly appreciate this side of rachel a lot how she how she appreciates literature and stuff like that yeah. because it's she i didn't really notice this when i was a kid but she's like she's she's the warrior philosopher she's she's the i don't know it's great there's like a, there's like another dimension there that yeah. i that i didn't really see even like i just reread this series a couple of years ago and that didn't click to me at all but it's all yeah. over the place and i don't know how i missed it <laughs> yeah well, it's just like how like we did that a lot with the various shows we've covered and the main podcast, yeah. where it's like we we closely examine shit that most people aren't really paying attention to. <laughs> like the Although fact I that do, Luke I do has wanna... an actual apple and a loaf of bread in episode two, and then later on in season two, her not being able to eat a lot of stuff is a big plot point. <laughs> I do want to point out the uh, the Sun Tzu reference, the Sun Tzu quote that she she wrote is, "If you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not feel the result fear the results of a hundred battles." And, uh, yeah, you gotta get on that, huh? You're not really doing great at that right now. <laughs> uh, these past, these past couple, uh, couple of books have really shown that, uh, you need to know your enemy and yourself a whole lot more. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Cassie and Tobias explain that they've had these weird identical dreams about this voice from beneath the sea calling to them, but no one else has experienced that. And Jake is basically just being quiet and listening, so he does have that one good leadership skill. That's that's nice. 
but a mm-hmm. lot of this chapter is just recapping who the other characters are, and so I'm just kind of skipping over it. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually, Jake just kind of changes the subject entirely because he's got a VHS tape that he wants everyone to 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 uh, watch. Because again, uh, you know, '90s. Um, so they go downstairs <laughs> because there's only one TV in the house, and God, there's so much in this book series in particular that some of the extended people on our discord actually would not have been around to actually have experienced themselves because some uh-huh. of them are like 18 to 20 <laughs> and yeah apparently yeah. he has recorded we're part all of the old. news <laughs> I said, uh, and we're all old uh, speak for yourself I have no age <laughs> I I'm old when I feel old and I'm not old when I don't feel old I'm starting to feel old a lot more now but that's reasonable, all I suppose. Time. Every time that I'm sitting down for a long period of time, as soon as I stand up, my knees crack. <laughs> Definitely not old. My knees have cracked when I've when I've st- stooped down for like ten years. That is not me. And <laughs> I was twenty one, and I was not old when I was twenty one. So. Uh. <laughs> um. Yes. So Jake has recorded this new segment on. Uh, old dude on the beach who just found a chunk of metal on just I, I don't know if he was a metal detector guy or what but apparently this piece of metal washed up on the beach and is covered with letters in a weird like alphabet and no one really seems to get the significance of this but according to Jake that is uh eh, it's the same writing that the Andalites used I mean he went inside the ship and saw all the, the, the writing in there and like that's the same script so he thinks that what washed up on the beach is part of the endolite ship that got blown up and then cassie passes out end of chapter <laughs> really really good ability for jake to be able to identify writing looking like the same on an alien spaceship that i saw once like over a month ago on an h on an sd quality tv in like <laughs> six like four by three aspect ratio <laughs> Yeah, but when you were in the like sort of mind state that Jake would have been in when you, when 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 he was in there, you like your memory gets better. Yeah, so, I guess you like, do. You do those, remember. Those, you do remember like of, more. Tra- of... You do remember like more traumatic events. It clearly kind of deal. Yeah, and honestly, like if I had seen like alien writing for the first time, I'd probably remember what it yeah. looked like. Oh yeah. <laughs> but also, like, what were the odds that he actually had his like VCR going at that point on the news? <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, it's not like he. It's not like he had a DVR and could rewind it and record that specific part. He, was, I guess, maybe he was just like, oh, I'm like recording the news to watch it later because I'm busy at this point, and then be like, oh fuck. <laughs> That's honestly, he might do that every day and just scan through for stuff. Like, I guess, yeah, I guess it's not unheard of that maybe he is doing that to try to, like, learn more about what the Yerks might be up to. Truthfully, I don't feel like that's Jake now, but later on, that's very much something he would do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, in any case, uh, chapter four, which I'm going to call Somewhere Beyond the Sea, because I'm just going to use a bunch of uh, <laughs> music, uh, song lyrics that I also think are related to Bioshock in terms of this book, I feel. <laughs> uh, has Cassie experienced a vision of someone calling out to her from beneath the sea? And when she wakes up, she has to show Rachel to not call an ambulance, because they were like, we can't go ahead and alert the Yerks and stuff. 
And he also sees that device also passed out, but he also regains consciousness and has a moment of having his bird instincts kick in before he's like, that's weird. <laughs> I, I, for some reason, I interpreted this as like Cassie had fallen on Tobias. I didn't. Re I read it at first <laughs> wrongly, thinking that she had crushed his wing, but no, he apparently just like fell with one Listen, wing kind of underneath him. <laughs> Tobias succumbing to the bird instincts is not is is not that like weird because you do the same thing when you're woken up. Yeah. Um. He just says like, that it was weird. Suddenly, it's it's well, it's it's just that he does it in a bird way, and you do it in a human way, which is blah blah blah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, like, like now I want to see Tobias yeah. as a bird tucked into a bed, waking up everybody going, blah, with his wings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, but, uh... You know, that, 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 that weird things humans do, that yeah. weird thing humans do when they wake up. Like, he's kicking out his little bird leggies. Don't know where they are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Cassie tells the others what she saw, and Tobias collaborates the vision, and the, the others also say that they sort of felt like they had experienced something when the two of them had passed out, so it's not just a coincidence that this is happening. And they all agree in the end that it's some sort of transmission, not a hallucination or coincidence, but Marco, of course, being Marco, has to ask what they could even do about someone out in the ocean, <laughs> because he's Marco. <laughs> and, again, at least it's a sensible thing. The ocean is big yeah. and deep. <laughs> Uh, Cassie and Tobias agree that the voice doesn't seem human to them since they heard their voice as thought speak, or at least they basically like tried it. They don't outright say thought speak, but it's like that's how they basically describe it. <laughs> and also that it eventually reminds them of Elfanger's voice. And we then, of course, because this is book four, get a quick recap of how Elfanger died, because we have to always <laughs> remember that, I guess. <laughs> and... I gotta be honest, I'm very curious about like. Because the thing that they come to is that it's not a human voice. Yeah. And so I want to know what's different about Andalite voices. <laughs> <laughs> well, psionic, I guess. <laughs> well, yeah, in but head. in a dream, it doesn't matter if it's psionic or yeah, out loud. That, You're that's still hearing that it. That's something that I head. also was trying to figure out. Like, how did they know based on this, like, dream vision that it's not a person using a mouth to speak? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what that tells us is that Andalite voices are different somehow, and I want to know more. <laughs> Well, I, I feel like maybe we would ever have to, like, watch the TV show or just interpret things as we want to, right? Because <laughs> I'm assuming that the... I'm, I, again, I've seen, like, barely any of the TV show. I remember seeing a clip of Elfanger, but I'm pretty sure that they would probably just have, like, a, like, booming reverberating voice or something like that just emerge, emerge emit from that guy. <laughs> I vaguely recall, like, a weird echoey effect, but I, yeah, that, that could be that, just my imagination. <laughs> yeah, that, that would make sense, yeah. It's just, like, it's, like, oh, it's the, like, kind of, like, imposing otherworldly voice rather than just a normal voice. Yeah. Yeah, but, uh, you know, at this, uh, Rachel is all in on helping this Andalite out because of Elfanger's sacrifice, and, of course, Tobias is in two, but he also feels like he shouldn't get a vote since he really can't do anything with water because he's a bird. <laughs> but, I mean, he's still a member of the group, so he does. And Cassie then agrees that they, that, or that rather she kids can't ignore somebody in need. And at this, like, Marco basically also says that he wants to help any Andalite after what they saw at the construction site. So, of course, it's like, Marco's getting to the point of needing way less convincing, at least. <laughs> it's it's like a, it's like a big, big shock, too. Like, people expect Marco to be like, no, I don't want to yeah. go. And, then, Marco's and like, then he's like, no, nah, I, re I remember seeing that man get eaten and kind of want to help one yeah. of his own out as a result. <laughs> 
He does make a point, though. Of, he doesn't. He's sorry that he has to disappoint them because they don't have to convince him to do this. <laughs> yeah, it's a little goofy. Sorry, guys. You don't have to debate me on this. I'm actually at all in. <laughs> yeah, but that leads us into chapter five, which I'm going to call yet another god awful plan because these kids don't fucking learn. <laughs> also, uh, I want to I want to mention I want to mention this. Hmm? There's there's a line here that I think is very important, and it's only four words. Suddenly, his voice choked. Marco was about to cry there. Yeah. Because <laughs> he and has I, trauma, just like all these kids. Yeah. I, no, it's, 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 it's just interesting. Marco puts up, a, puts up a brave face most of the time. But, yeah. Or not a brave face. A, a deliberately cowardly face. But very rarely <laughs> shows genuine emotion. Yeah. yeah. Like over the course of these books so far that we've read, I'm still really curious to see what it's going to be like when he narrates one, which I presume is next hey, book. now listen. You want Marco Emotion? Tune in in three weeks. Yeah, that's yeah. what I kind of thought. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get inside that boy's head. <laughs> yeah. But in any case, Chapter 5 has them go to the beach because some of them think that Cassie and Tobias could get a better feeling if they're near the sea. So I guess they just interpret them as radio <laughs> receivers now. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, what else would they really do to start? <laughs> it's like, go, to, go near the ocean, maybe you'll see something. <laughs> Every English doctor in the 1800s tells you that if you're not feeling well, go to the sea, you'll be fine. <laughs> but, but doctor, I am, ter I am mortally terrified of the sea. <laughs> it's, either, it's either go to the sea or, or do the opposite. Go very, very high up yeah. into the mountains. <laughs> very, but doctor, I am Pagliacci reference. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So they go there, and after a conversation about how Marco's dream of living to get his license to pick up ladies in a car gets pushed aside, because it's Marco, being Marco still at times, uh, Rachel has to wonder why only a few of them are getting these visions at all. And uh, this Jake thinks it's because of how long Device has been morphed and how Cassie is the best at morphing of them all that makes them the better radio receivers. <laughs> I guess. They just have more of an affinity for it, I guess. Uh, but yeah, but that this device warns him that there are people with flashlights up ahead, at which point they then retcon how he could see well at night to be a minor pencil <laughs> hawks. Well, <laughs> yeah, to be fair, yeah. KA probably read a book about hawks at some point. Yeah, I definitely didn't point and like notice that being like, oh, he actually says I'm not on that. Well, I can't look at, I can't see well at night. <laughs> it's like, hmm, <laughs> just a few books ago, you were definitely able to see well at night device. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's just a little amusing that so quickly they're like, oh, right, we should probably change that. Uh, <laughs> but he goes over to check them out anyway, while the other side, since he's still up bird and can still listen at least. And when he gets back, he confirms that they're sharing people with Chapman and Tom amongst them. And they're worried about the ship and also that Visitory's been having the visions too, because of his Andalite body. And at that, they realize that they left a ton of footprints around that, sure enough, alert the controllers to their presence, so they just all have to hightail it out of there, but can't morph because they leave human to animal tracks. That would only confirm that it's five kids and not Andalite people that they're looking <laughs> for. That have been a nuisance these last few books. And then the chapter descends with one of them shining a flashlight at Cassie, but she dodges out of the line of it just in time to avoid being fucking shot. <laughs> yep. Which is something We also... <laughs> Oh, so we also get in this in this chapter a reference that Marco makes to psychic friends, which is possibly the deepest cut. The <laughs> yeah, deepest yeah, I had never heard of psychic friends thing. I'm it was it... like a, it was like a, well, like, yeah, definitely, but it was a, um, it's still around in online form, but it was like a TV psychic 
network oh, where okay. people would call in with questions for the psychics. Okay, so it's, yeah. it's one of those classic 90s uh, fucking scam shows or whatever. <laughs> yeah, although apparently one of those once told my dad where his cat was, despite not having told them that he had lost his cat. <laughs> so... That that was that was way before the nineties. That was when he was a kid. So it was a different thing. But <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's something that. Also... Hmm? Oh, I was just gonna mention something that happens early in chapter six, but not oh. really worth mentioning at the time, because it's also just like in early in chapter six uh, before we get there proper. Cassie also uh, thinks about how amusing it is actually that she had never been shot with a, with a proper gun before, even though she's like face down monsters and been shot at with disintegration laser beams. <laughs> and like, huh, yeah. this is just a gun. <laughs> That's honestly kind of what I wanted to bring up, because like. I, I assume that this is not specifically deliberate, but it is uh, maybe an uncomfortable feeling that our black protagonist, our only black protagonist, mm, is the first one yeah. to be shot at with a real gun. Yeah, I, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> yeah. Mostly because they never really get into like their skin colors, really, in these books. <laughs> they yeah. mention Cassie as being black a couple of times, but it's not like... At rightly so, not like something they continue to mention over and yeah. over again. Yeah, it, it's it's not to make more references to the bad Turf Wizard book series, but it's not like how if anybody is not cisset white person, they always make every point in their sentences referencing them that it's like, hey, remember Dean is black, guys? Because <laughs> he's or, Dean the black even, boy. Or even when they, yeah, or even like when someone is fucking Irish, they're just like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, name this this Irish character. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Patrick O'Shamrock, or whatever. Yeah, like, like O'Shaughnessy, I mean, or whatever. Seamus Finnegan is not that far off. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you're yeah, not exactly. wrong. Yeah, exactly, that's my point. <laughs> yeah, that is the most Irish fucking name possible, really. Uh, or, things or explode our, all the time. Oh, or our boy. one Asian character, Cho Chang. Yeah. But hey, guys, don't don't remember, don't forget. Uh, Hermione was always black all along because she never said otherwise. Even though any other time a person who's not a white person shows up, and our whole characterization is, "Hello, I'm not white." <laughs> yeah. uh, That's not fair. Padma Patil was not white and also hated Ron. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. <laughs> uh, whatever. <laughs> Bad book series. Don't read it. It's, it's shit. Don't watch. Don't hate it's watch kind the of, HBO remake series. It's just kind of like, eh. it's eh. Like I, yeah. I, if, if I'm talking about like the sheer quality of it, it's just overwhelmingly eh. Yeah. <laughs> In any case, let's get back to something that's at least more entertaining, uh, yeah. because chapter six, which I have decided to call uh turian council voice ah yes humans the yorks have dismissed these claims <laughs> uh <laughs> which will make sense in a few minutes uh has them get away long enough till the controllers are in the dunes which gives the kids time to double back to towards the beach to try to throw them off and they decide to go into the water and morph into their freshwater trout because they don't have any other better ideas <laughs> because they apparently don't have any other sea life morphs at all uh, well, go yeah. to a pet store. Go, go to <laughs> Buy a, pet store. Yeah. a saltwater fish. Yeah, but they, yeah, they don't they're... even the gardens. They specifically say in the first book that the gardens has exhibits where you can touch animals that aren't dangerous. 
I deep, guarantee you, yeah, we'll have like, one of like, those touch like, a nurse shark exhibits, like deep, deep kids, or the stingray deep, thing. Yeah, yeah, like these kids do not actually ever preemptively go and just collect every kind of animal they need. They just wait until there's a problem. Then it's like, I guess we'll go and get a fucking fish the same day like, that like they're you, gonna show up. <laughs> like you live by an ocean, and the gardens has a thing where you can touch sea animals. So like. Also, oh yeah, that was also something I wanted to bring up. These kids being like, I can't tell you my last name, I can't tell you where I live, but I can tell you that I'm near an ocean. <laughs> and also, I, I can tell you the exact geographical like uh, geographical features that surround our town on every side, so you can figure it out, it's fine. Uh-huh. Yep. But yeah, I mean, to be fair, it is a better idea that they have rather than just being out in the open and trying to turn into whatever other animal they can, even though it's like, if they have time to morph into a fish, they would probably have time to morph into a bird. But I guess they want to just be out on the beach. But uh, as they are finishing up morphing, they overhear Chapman and Tom say that the tracks lead to the water, but that the current would be too strong, so they wouldn't get very far. Uh, and they also confirm that it was just some kids and that their idiot companion shouldn't have shot at them. And they find a pair of jeans, but Chapman, for some reason, just dismisses this as a coincidence and not these people they were just chasing after. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's very lucky that they only found one pair of jeans and not four of those and also four shirts and also underwear. Yeah. (laughs) And shoes and socks. Mm -hmm. All of which would have been lost in the ocean. (laughs) Yeah. But then uh, Tom, of course, is like basically being like Shepard here with bringing up the good bit of deductive reasoning that the tracks lead to the water, but there are no people in the water, so he thinks that it could not even be Andalites that they're even looking for. But Chapman just laughs at this, and he thinks that he's not going to be the one to tell Vista 3 that they might be wrong, so I guess they just call it a wash. <laughs> While the kids... This is what happens when you kill everyone who tells you no. <laughs> yeah, basically. It's like, well, uh, he might be wrong, maybe, but I'm not going to be the one to fucking but tell him. But I don't him. know. And meanwhile, yeah. it's like... I feel like it's like, yeah, like, maybe just leave a note that's like, you know, write down on a piece of paper and put in Vista 3's room. Don't, like... Or just, like, type it up, so this way there's no way that he could possibly compare it to your handwriting or whatever, and just be like, hey, <laughs> I was out on this mission here, we noticed this, it could potentially be humans and not dandelites we're looking for, I'm just saying, I'm not okay, saying you're wrong, but we need, to co- we need to, we con- need to, yeah, but at least it's like, you're not also going to be singled out in case Mr. 3 decides to murder you, because it's like, how dare yeah, you but- can t- contradict me? <laughs> But then Viscer would probably ignore the message out of spite and then just decapitate someone innocent for the I sake guess. of the fact that he's like, angry at some... Then, like, yeah. But they have, like, their Council of Thirteen or whatever that they mentioned in, like, book two. Send the message to them! Because they could maybe just be able to be like, yo, Viscer 3, you need to consider this as a possibility that it's people and not anima- Andalites you're looking for. Yeah, but the Council of sure Thirteen the... don't even know the Andalites are here. Viscer 3 is specifically keeping that a secret from them. <laughs> Yeah, I'm also not sure about the rules that Yerks have about going over each other's heads. They seem to have a very, very strict hierarchy. Yeah, but they also seem at times to not even give a fuck in some ways, because, like, I mean, the Yerks that are inside Chapman and his wife also just super do not give a fuck about Visitor 3 and say that he's a fucking moron, so it's like... Well, yeah. fucking report his ass to his managers. If if they if they gave like a a anonymous message to a higher viscer or to even the Council of Thirteen, I imagine that something could happen. But I, they might just be terrified that Viscer Three would find out about that somehow, yeah, and that they well, would definitely. Well, die. that also means that you report him for retaliation in the office. <laughs> exactly, which is. The problem is yeah, him, not just, you. Just bro- the, if he's the problem repeatedly, bro- the problem isn't you reporting him to his managers. It's him being an Report asshole. Report him to, to Yerk HR. Yeah, exactly. that'll work. 
The thing is, is that the Yurk Empire basically works on the same rules as the Sith Empire. Sure, you can go around your boss, but only if you can kill him first. <laughs> I'm sure that they could easily just coordinate with some guy, just pull Drake on beams on Vista 3 and just get his ass immediately with him having his back turned <laughs> if they really tried. <laughs> But in any case, yeah, no, the, the, these controller guys just fucking give up, and the kids just basically decide to swim along the shore until they need to morph due to the salt water making it really hard to breathe, and that's that whole chapter. <laughs> yeah. I just found it very funny um, that it's like, oh, it just really reminded me of the, ah, yes, Reapers, air quotes with the hands that the Turian Council guy does in Mass Effect 2. <laughs> and just like, yeah, it could be humans, but fuck that. We're not gonna bother bringing it up to our boss. Why would we? <laughs> um... So I've just called chapter seven, uh, Cassie desperately wants to pass the buck. Because she does. Uh, because Cassie <laughs> she really is terrified does not, of yeah, she really doesn't want to take any action. kind of decisions. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Like, well, but... it's, it's not just that she doesn't want to take action. She doesn't want to be responsible for, yeah. like, making a decision that gets people killed. Like, the DM is um, like, hey, Cassie, you, you're, you and your character haven't really done a whole lot in this campaign yet. You want to have a story point about yourself? And she's like, I guess, but also I don't want to make decisions. <laughs> Uh, well, it's also that Cassie is just terrified of getting her friends killed. Um, Reasonable. Yeah. So, uh, basically things, like, days pass. Uh, you know, it's, it's, they, they really wait on this for a while because it mentions, like, um, that, you know, Rachel's busy with her gymnastics class. Jake blows a test. So it's normal, like, human things that are happening right now. And it turns out that if if it seems weirdly paced, it is. <laughs> and everyone is essentially waiting on Cassie to make a decision as to what we're going to well, do well, about while this While also still dream. getting these messages of, Hey guys, I can't really hold out yeah. here under the fucking sea <laughs> for very long. Could you maybe do something yeah. about this? <laughs> maybe, come on, I'm kind of running out of air. There's um, not much food so, down here. The border pressure might eventually break whatever I'm in, guys. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would also <laughs> like to suggest that we are now out of the flashback, because it has been a couple of days, so... Yeah. Took um, six chapters, but we made it. <laughs> yes. Um, it, it only took like Jake, a fifth of this book to get there. <laughs> Jake is the one who delivers this information to her, and um, like the fact that uh, basically the, the decision comes down to Cassie because only her and Tobias had the dreams. And they're certain they're real. Some of the other kids are like, I don't know, maybe we imagined it. Tobias can't morph, so he's basically abstaining. And that means that by default, the decision goes down to Cassie. Um, Jake basically says that she trusts her judgment on this, which is uh, probably terrifying for her to hear. Um, but, uh, you know, now Marco's starting to have second thoughts, and, and it's time to make the decision if they're going to go at all. Um, Cassie is like, well, can you just make the decision for me? And the thing is like, yeah, I could. Uh, um, and Jake, Jake says, yeah, yeah, but, but, um, uh, yeah, I could. And then she says, but then, like, the same thing that would be on me, like, it's a disaster if it goes wrong, that would be on you, and, and, and I can't do that to you. Um, and there's like a little cute, like cute little bit of like sort of middle school affection uh, going on here, but um, 
so yeah, they don't really build these up as much as I thought they did. They 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 go on they go on with the like they start the romance pretty quickly. <laughs> it's not really earned. Uh, well, no. I feel like it. Mm, they don't really go all that hard on it, so I don't know. We'll see how it progresses. <laughs> Yeah, I, I guess I guess that's the, the, the I guess that's the difference that makes it all right. Where it's like there's not as much build up, but it's also not like the entirety of the story and their personality is like, oh, we want to kiss. <laughs> it's also the case that, and this is not necessarily true with Rachel and Tobias, but Jake and Cassie have actually known each other for longer than we've been. Oh yeah, like reading about. Them. Yeah, I guess there's so, that. It's not like how yeah. like Tobias was kind of just like hanger on yeah. at times ever since Jake helped them they out. They have a. They have a pre-existing sort of relationship, so it makes more sense with them. Um, but as kids generally do, they're like kind of being shy about it and sidestepping <laughs> each other. Um, so oh, this is in the uh, this is taking place in the barn, by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah, I forgot to mention that. Uh, because then there's like just random uh, mentions of like bad smells and, and animal noises, which we'll get constantly. Uh, so, she she mentions that uh, the ocean scares her, uh, in what I will call the Steve Irwin effect. <laughs> um, she's more familiar with the land than she is the ocean, which isn't really a place that people are supposed to be, uh, and it's like an alien, dangerous environment that she's not really familiar with, so that's also intimidating to her. Um... We also get a little bit of a. She says she says um, that she's she's a farm girl, not a not a not a sea person. <laughs> um, and and she mentions she also mentions something interesting, like she talks about like the history of the farm and uh, how they her family has had the farm since the Civil War, mm-hmm. which is which is neat. I like that kind of little that that, that little detail there. Um, it's not super so, clear, but California was incorporated as a state in eighteen sixty. So, or sorry, 1858, which is three years before the American Civil War began. So they could have had it for longer. I don't, there's no way to know. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's it's also that, like, even though California was incorporated as a state then, it was, like, there were still people living there as, like, an unincorporated territory for a long time. So, okay, yeah, I'm they sorry. Could have had Everything I just said was wrong. Don't trust me for history knowledge. <laughs> okay. Uh, California was um, incorporated in 1850, and the Civil War happened 11 years later in 61. So It was also a, uh, its own independent country for, like, three months. Um, <laughs> and I don't know if it was exactly three months. It was, like, somewhere around there, which, like, definitely does not outshine Texas's record of, uh, of five... Sorry, of four years, but definitely doesn't outshine Hawaii's record mm-hmm. yeah. of several centuries, so mm-hmm. or millennia even. Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, Texas, like Texas and California, arguing about about like how long they were an independent country before they were a state. And meanwhile, like Hawaii's over there with a palace that their queen used to live in. So. <laughs> Um, so I'm pretty sure this is the only mention of Cassie's great grandma. So who knows? Yeah, we will never we will never get that again. It's not relevant to anything. Um, 
So they kind of consider how they're going to get out there, and they think about, like, fish, maybe? Um, something that's not prey. She mentioned some, not some fish is going to get snapped up by a hungry tuna or whatever, and you know what? A tuna would be a good option, yeah. actually. They're fast. They're maneuverable. They're probably too big for anything but, like, sharks to, to go after. Um, and it, they could probably outrun a shark if they needed to. <laughs> so... You know, tuna would be a good option, but that's not what they decide. And honestly, tuna would be probably harder to acquire. Yeah, um, I don't know how you would really get so, access to a tuna. Um, so they decide on dolphins, despite the fact that Cassie is kind of reticent. She doesn't want to acquire anything that that's, that's that smart. Um, because she's worried about the ethical implications of that. Um, and... They kind of leave it off there without really making a, a genuine decision. But I think they've kind of decided to go and acquire the dolphins, at least. <laughs> um, so I've called chapter eight. No one told you war was going to be this way. Uh, uh, so the next day, they head off to the gardens on a city bus uh, to buy flies, because it would be dumb for a hawk to be on a bus. <laughs> um, Let him ride on the top. <laughs> And, uh, so we get the, the obligatory description of what the gardens is again, uh, and they call it a wildlife, she mentions they call it a wildlife park and not a zoo, but that's definitely not, like, not, it's not a wildlife park, though. <laughs> it's a zoo, because the animals are confined in exhibits. A wildlife park is, like, yeah, like where roam. they're out in the open, it's, they're, 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 like, free roam, and you can, sometimes you can drive through them, but... Like, that's not, that's not a zoo. <laughs> yeah, the most you get at, like, a zoo is, like, well, picking maybe the peacocks yeah. are just hanging around. Because peacocks don't do much. Um, yeah. So, uh, we get a little mention of, of Marco's uh, mom having died because, um, and, like, and his, his dad's poor because Marco has to borrow money from the other kids in order to, in order to get in, which he feels embarrassed about. Um. Which, again, they could just sneak in, but whatever. <laughs> they yeah. could just fly in as um, birds and then unmorph somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so they have a little conversation about, about morphing, and then they actually like get to the dolphins in order to um, acquire them. And what I was expecting, even though I've read this book before, was that they would have to do some weird shit like they had to do in the first book in order to acquire their battle <laughs> Yeah, moves. yeah, also but saying, no, I was expecting something like that too. they just kind of walk in... <laughs> They just kind of walk in, and because Cassie, like, knows everyone at the park, the dolphin trainer's like, yeah, sure, feed him some fish, I guess. And so they do. <laughs> There's just a bunch of dolphins there, and um, Marco asks what's the difference between dolphins and porpoises, both just fish, right? Which makes the marine biologist in me uh, very angry, but I know that's <laughs> what Marco's after. Uh, porpoises are smaller than dolphins. They're a different species. They are not fish, uh, but Marco knows that. He's just trying to get a rise. Um, and then you see we see this scene where this dolphin like sleeps out of the water. Uh, it's it's very uh, Cassie emphasizes how beautiful and and graceful and powerful it is. And then she says, "That's a dolphin to Marco." And like she. <laughs> Thanks, Cassie. I I guess we needed to know that. Uh, um, and Marco, like, 
finally seems impressed with something uh, at the effortless, perfect aquatic control of this dolphin. Um, the... <sighs> the trainer introduces the dolphins as Ross, Monica, Schindler, mm-hmm. Phoebe, and Rachel. Yep, sure so... does. Yep. <laughs> Uh, and at this point, I had to take a break because the 90s became too powerful and started to hurt me and burn my eyes. <laughs> I don't know why, but I was also envisioning the bit when they talk about like the dolphins looking at you, that the dolphins just had the fucking DreamWorks smirk on their faces for some reason. I don't know why I envisioned that. Uh, because dolphins always have a permanent DreamWorks smirk True. on their face. Yeah, they it, don't have eyebrows, yeah, but it's, they it's did. Like, it's like if you look at the ferret's mouth and it looks like the ferret's always smiling too. <laughs> Yeah, they mentioned, like, the dolphins always look like they're smiling at something, and that's true. It is just the shape of their face, though. Yeah. <laughs> like, dolphins are not actually always smiling. They're just, they're just their faces just kind of look like that. They don't have a lot of articulation. <laughs> they don't really communicate with facial expressions. Um, so, they start feeding the dolphins fish as well. Um, and they have a sort of short conversation about um, the dolphins themselves and the the prospect of, of morphing them, uh, which moves back into the sort of ethical implications of morphing such an intelligent animal. Um, uh, Cassie's <laughs> like, uh, well, what if like isn't isn't it sort of the case that we cr- kind of create a new animal and take control of it like the Yerks do? Um, but, yeah, it's it, it's not really a thing that no. <laughs> is going to be an issue much later. That's not really a, a ethical implication they're going to follow up on. Well, like, sure, because it's not um, a thing they're doing. This is just Cassie freaking it, it out. It isn't. It isn't. It isn't a thing they're doing. You don't create a new conscious mind when you morph. You just get the animal's instincts and sometimes interpret those as, like, exogenous things. Um, now, there is, like, a sort of taboo against acquiring intelligent animals among the Andalites that we'll learn about later, but it's not so much because, oh, you're creating an intelligent mind and then controlling it. It's more that it's just, like, bad to do without permission. <laughs> you know? Andalites are it's real worried like... about identity theft. Yes. <laughs> um, so, nonetheless, they acquire the animal, and Cassie does touch on that by sort of silently asking the, the dolphin, may I? But of course there is no answer hmm. um in chapter nine uh i'd like to say just very briefly i don't know if it's still the case but once upon a time at SeaWorld san antonio they had a thing where the dolphins could just swim up to people you could buy fish to feed them or whatever and so i have touched a dolphin before and uh not a fan don't don't enjoy it that she seems Why? to think it's pretty chill but it's it's kind of gross <laughs> yeah well, like, well, how are they gross uh, I guess, how do I put this? Imagine the texture of a latex rubber glove, but stretched really tight over a ham. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not. Yeah, I could, I could, I could feel that. Yeah, yeah I mean, we yeah. were talking about this earlier before uh, we started recording and Kate got on where it's like, I mentioned that I also did like a behind the scenes thing at SeaWorld when I was a teenager and like I actually got to pet a penguin and penguins are fucking slimy as all hell. <laughs> <laughs> Ping- I-, I pet a penguin once, and they're not necessarily slimy. They're they they have very very stiff 
feathers. Maybe it's <laughs> like, maybe I'm just misremembering because this was really like twenty something years ago. <laughs> but yeah, I I could have sworn it felt slimy. I I don't remember them feeling slimy. I remember them feeling like that very stiff feathers that feel almost more like feel almost more like a very kind of thick stiff fur than they do feathers. But yeah, they are cute. Um, the other thing that this book doesn't mention is that dolphin, uh, their teeth are friggin' terrifying, and I don't know why so many people put their hands in the SeaWorld dolphin enclosure. Oh, yeah, because... no, yeah, no. <laughs> I would not do that. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. They have little knives for teeth. <laughs> um, so, uh, I really, honestly, I could not think of a name for this chapter. So, <laughs> I don't know, I'm just gonna fucking call it they they do the thing they do the morph thing because that's it's what the happens beach they do the morph thing okay fine it's the be- it's the beach episode <laughs> um so she once again dreams of the voice under the sea uh it sounds fainter though it sounds like it's it's getting weaker which is worrying so they have to uh get out there as quickly as they can. However, they're not going to actually do it today. They're going to test the the morph first. Um, and so they, they, they end up being kind of late out to the to the beach. It's, it's getting dark. Um, and Tobias is there to, uh, you know, supervise um, and to keep time. Uh, to which end he's he's I think he's wearing a watch, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's got a little digital timer strapped yeah. to his legs. Um uh, Jesus, yeah, no, I'm looking at that picture of the dolphin team. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, dolphins no. dolphins are <laughs> dolphins like honestly <laughs> We'll talk about, I'll talk about this more later. But dolphins are not as sweet and cuddly as they are made out to be in this book. No. Um, they kill porpoises for sport. Uh, so, there's that. Um, although, actually, that, can make, that makes a little bit of sense. Um, <laughs> well, we'll get into that. So, uh, yeah, T- Tobias is there to keep track of time. Um, and Cassie is the first, first one to morph. And this isn't going to be very long, because, again, we get a lot of description over, like, Cassie morphing, and it's, it's like, Cassie's able to make most things look good, but I feel like there's only so many ways you can, like, lose your limbs <laughs> and have that look aesthetically pleasing. So, um, there's that whole thing. I think uh, her like face stretches out first. That's the first thing that happens. Um, and uh, <laughs> yeah, even though Cassie is like better at this kind of thing, there's only so much you can do with human to dolphin. Yeah. Um, uh, and when the morph is completed, there is no hunger or fear. There is no thankfully conscious thinking mind um that she then has to exert control over instead there's just this enormous level of energy and a desire to play there's no fight flee eat there's just she wants to go and play 
Yeah. Um, and so she asks that her friends do that. Uh, morph and then go play with her. And that's the end of my chapter. Yeah, it's honestly very reminiscent of the way Jake describes being a dog back in book one. <laughs> yeah, except it's like, whereas the dog is like overwhelming, like excitement and happiness with the dolphin it's it's just it seems more almost more relaxed i guess more like or not not relaxed it the way it's described it it just it doesn't it seems less like an overwhelming like suite of emotions and more like just a a general playfulness yeah (laughs) um yeah that's the last that's my last chapter so that's the beginning of our first book narrated by cassie and i know vivian you said that you didn't quite like her as a narrator uh all that much (laughs) um yet but i am interested to see how i think it really is just that it's like it's a little bit less interesting than like Rachel being like, let's fuck people up, yeah, and like Tobias being like, I am sad in introspective bird boy. <laughs> yeah. No, the, the thing is, though, this 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 story had to happen with Cassie, and there are reasons that that's going to be the case later. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm interested to see if your opinion changes at all during the course of the book, because I find myself liking Cassie as a narrator a whole lot more. Yeah, I, I think it's um, just that it's also, like, it's the start of a book, and it's just not as interesting as, like, the start of, like, Tobias's book in particular. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, I, I find that Marco books tend to be entertaining just right from the get-go because of Marco's personality. Yeah. Um, <laughs> same with Axe, but that's mostly because Axe is... Uh, Axe is Axe. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Cassie books are a little bit slower to ramp up. Yeah, but I think they're more... They, they get into more important stuff, so that's okay. They do. They do. They Really, I, I feel like Cassie is the most equipped to touch on the main themes of the series, which are, um, once again, to, to what extent is, is violence justified? Mm-hmm. Uh, the the answer, of course, being not. It's, it's not. Never. <laughs> Even though it's sometimes necessary, it's never good. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, uh, I don't know. I feel like that's a very good start for a book. Because especially thinking about The Visitor, that was just so much nothing. It was yeah, nothing until like yeah, the last yeah. five chapters. To be fair, yeah. It yeah. Because yeah. that entire book was, let's sneak in and then be caught. And then be like, well, surely we won't be caught a second time, right? Oh no, we were caught a second yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I, I feel like uh, that was also like the second the second episode or book or whatever of series I find is often pretty weak. Yeah, That's, I mean, it, uh, it kind of you... it kind of does uh, have the unfortunateness of like, well, it follows up from like the first one, and the first one obviously has to get your attention yeah. in a big way. It's like the the first one gets your attention, and then later they start to step into their stride and really get what they're doing down. Yeah. Uh, but like, there's always that awkward period right after the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, where things get a little bit. Eh, yeah, you know it, I mean? it's kind of <laughs> like, like how that, like that. this very second episode of Owl House is like, eh, this is like kind of just like a little like bodily episode where it's just a moral lesson compared to the first one of like, let's introduce the characters and make you laugh when Luz is narrating uh, a witch lady shooting a magic wand like a bazooka at a snake. <laughs> yeah, that, 
the the thing is that um, you know, as humans, we really can't know what happens within animal minds. Uh, and one thing that Kay Applegate loves to do is to play in that space, to take the unknown uh, and then have fun, you know, filling that in with whatever she wants. Mm-hmm. And this is a little bit getting ahead, but I do love how this book does that. And I'm excited because I think that next episode we should be covering uh, some of that. Yeah, we're going to get into some really interesting animal stuff for sure. <laughs> Yes, yes. Um, I I honestly love how she does the ocean because the ocean is, you know, me me with my marine biology degree. Uh, obviously, I'm biased, but the ocean is like a very alien, very hostile place to humans. Uh, not so much to the animals that live inside of it, although, again, it can be very, very hostile to them, too, because <laughs> everything likes to eat everything else. Everything in the um, ocean is horrifying and wants to eat you. Well, yeah, everything also wants to eat each other. <laughs> That's what happens when you have, like, six trophic levels instead of just the, the ordinary three or four uh, that we do on land. Um you just get like really really complicated food webs where everything basically eats everything else unless <laughs> uh, uh, like a filter feeder or something but yeah I'm, I'm excited to get into that because um, yeah I we'll get it I'll, I'll, I, I have some bones to pick with it huh. I, I honestly do uh, oh, I mean, we'll get into that later though surprised. yeah I do have some bones to pick with uh, how they will handle sharks later but that's that's my thing <laughs> um, so yeah do we have anything more to say here? Do we have uh, anything more to... well there is one more thing that I think we should probably talk about we didn't have any dings on the thermal count this episode because Cassie's not okay. a bird <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah but we do should probably, I guess, there is one kill in this episode, two if you count a Yurk, oh. as Visser 3 pushed a hork out an airlock for interrupting his concentration. Now, do we count that? Because it wasn't on screen. We heard it secondhand. <laughs> I think it's confirmed. It's, it's, it's definitely something that we know happened. Yeah, even though we didn't uh, see it, so... we, we heard the controller say that that happened because... Uh... Invisibly was trying to focus on the uh, the vision or whatever, and then yeah. some guy okay. happened to come into his office and be like, "Hey, boss, I need to talk to you about your uh, reports that you didn't submit." And then immediately, gets oh yeah, that was <laughs> that was something important we didn't cover. I think that was in my chapter, so I apologize for that. But uh, Visor Three has also been having these visions, which is uh, why no, that, the that, are so. No, I brought it up because it was in one of mine. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, in, yeah, it was yeah. in five right before um, they started getting shot at. When Tobias gotcha. says that he cool. reported that um, uh, they were talking about Visit 3 also having visions. <laughs> yeah, I think we should count that. So you're okay. dead, host dead, that's two more for Visitor 3. Okay. Uh, well, if that is the case, then Visitor 3 has returns to the top of the charts. Tobias is sitting at 7.5, and, and Visitor 3 is up to 8.5. Because <laughs> Tobias got that one really good ult. <laughs> yes. <laughs> play, play the game, Tobias. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should call the previous episode that, actually. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe. Played the game Tobias as Red-Tailed Hawk. <laughs> Tobias, you need to change your username to be something other than just your name. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
yeah, anything else y'all want to say? Uh, no, I think that's it for me. So if that's the case, then that's, yeah, there's not much left for any of us to say, but remember, Ciro did nothing wrong. <laughs> Ciro did nothing wrong. I, I will have to still assume Ciro did nothing wrong until proven otherwise. <laughs> Don't worry, we're right. You don't have to. You don't have. You can trust Again, us. Again, I'm not going to find out for like three us. years, so I have no uh, choice but to, right? <laughs> it might be pretty soon, actually. Is it? No. Oh uh, no, it is. It actually is. I looked it up. The first mention of Ciro is 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 in the Alien. So okay, oh, yeah, okay. So there uh, you go. Yeah. Okay, like what? Four months from now, then? Something like that. Oh yeah. Uh. Bye. Oh wait, no, because <laughs> <okay>. bye. Bye. <laughs>